That's right. The early morning show presented by 84 Lumber. Put your positive attitude to work at 84 Lumber. Apply at 84lumber.com. Adam Crowley here with you. 412-928-9370, the number to call. You dial me up, I'll put you right on the air, and you can hit me up, join the cast of dozens, follow me on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. The big talking point yesterday. Mahomes will get the shotgun snap low, picks it up, backpedals and throws an arching pass in the end zone. No one home, back corner, incomplete, flag thrown, flag thrown. Holding, number 24, defense, five-yard penalty, automatic, first down. On James Bradbury. James Bradbury holds Juju Smith-Schuster and every single sports radio show in the country discussed it yesterday and a lot of the conversations were framed like this did that holding call did the end of the game ruin the rest of the game for you did it mar an otherwise great Super Bowl Pony and Muller talked about it they discussed it in those terms on the Cook and Joe show with Bob Pompiani yesterday Nationally, I saw that same discussion happen time and time and time again and I've had now time to reflect Time to think about what went down in Super Bowl 57. And I don't think it's so much an official's problem. I don't think the game was marred. I think it's more of a us problem. That we can watch one of the great Super Bowls of all time. A high-scoring affair. Who else was on the over? Raise your hands. 38-35, back and forth. A great comeback. Legendary quarterback. Maybe the greatest of all time. Hell of a head coach in Andy Reid. A wonderful performance in a losing effort by Jalen Hurts. And we can even think to have the discussion, did it ruin the game? Why do we always got to look for something negative? Why do we always got to do that? Did the final two minutes ruin the otherwise great 58 minutes? Are you kidding me? Were you not entertained? The last few moments were just that, the last few moments the rest of the game was outstanding so you're going to tell me that it ruined your viewing experience because the ending wasn't just right I think it says a hell of a lot more about society a lot more about us that we're always looking for something negative and it's not just with that final moment that game was played on a razor's edge Philadelphia played well enough they easily could have won that football game but the conversation will be did they blow it Did they blow an opportunity to assert themselves and maybe start another kind of dynasty with how good the Philadelphia roster is? And Jalen Hurts ain't going to go anywhere for a while. If Patrick Mahomes had lost that game, he would have been talked about as the loser, a Super Bowl loser, one and two in championships. The guy can't win the big moment when it was just two great teams that played outstanding football on the biggest stage in a celebration of our country's most beloved thing. Not just sport, but most beloved thing. 113 million people watched it. One of the most watched TV shows of all time. A celebration of football. And we're going to allow the conversations to disintegrate down to the lowest common denominator? If Patrick Mahomes had lost, oh, what a loser. When a bounce here or there could have gone the other way, right? Just like a bounce here or there, and the Philadelphia Eagles could have been Super Bowl champions. 
And instead, we're talking about losers, can't get it done, big moment. Oh, that fumble, Jalen Hurts. And I was guilty of it, but I've thought more about it over the last 24 hours. And why can't the thing that we all watch ever just be the thing that we all watch and enjoy? Why do we always have to bitch? Why does it always have to be about the thing that didn't go right? Why can't we just say, oh, hell, that was an awesome game, one of the best Super Bowls of all time. Instead, oh, James Bradbury, I can't believe the official threw the flag. Can't we just freaking enjoy it? I went back and I watched the highlights yesterday in the evening. Put my feet up. Daughter went to bed. It was awesome. Oh, I was ruined by a call. Oh, bite me. Can't we just enjoy the thing? I want to just enjoy the thing. Hi, you're on the early morning show. What's going on, man? You tell me. I think in regards to, I want to talk a little pit hoops for a second, but I'll say in regards to the Super Bowl, I think that people just, uh, they like to find something to complain about. I thought it was a compelling Super Bowl. I thought it was fun. I thought Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes won a fantastic showing. I thought that was one of the most exciting Super Bowls that we've had in the past couple of years, honestly. I'm with you. I think it's one of the best Super Bowls of all time. And you know, we're going to discuss the penalty, and we did yesterday, and I actually thought the Fan Morning Show did the best job of any of the shows talking about it yesterday because it wasn't, oh, did the Super Bowl get ruined? It was, should they have called it? I think that's a much fairer conversation. You said you had a question about pit hoops. I'm going to get to that coming up in about 10 minutes, but I do want to hear your question. What do you got? Just real quick, um, do you believe that the reason that Pitt, because with the ranking today, do you believe that they didn't get ranked because of the Florida State game? I think there's a lot of reasons why they didn't get ranked. And thank you for the call. And I do think they're going to get there because they're just going to keep stacking wins. Boston College, the rest of their schedule, they're probably going to be an underdog, albeit a slight one on the road at Virginia Tech. It's tough to win on the road in major college hoops. So they'll probably be an underdog. I think they'll still win that game. And they're going to be an underdog the final game of the season against Miami. But you look at what they've done, and they've got some good wins. But sweeping North Carolina doesn't do as much now as you thought whenever you did it. North Carolina decidedly on the bubble. That is not some sort of massive victory anymore for Pitt. First time, they were ranked when they came into the Pete, and they came off obviously going to the national championship game last year, and it allowed Pitt to announce themselves as a contender in the ACC. There's no doubt that it was a big win at the time. You go in there, getting a road win is still big, but it's not like this is a top 10, top five North Carolina team. This is a Carolina team that's going to struggle to get into the NCAA tournament. The win against Miami, it's a good one. But those are the three right there, and you beat Virginia. Those are good wins. The Virginia win, a great win. But you look around at their resume and They don't have as many wonderful wins as a lot of the teams ranked in the top 25, and they've got some stinker losses. Michigan, not a great basketball team. You lost to them by 31. West Virginia, a bubble team. You lost to them by 25 at home. VCU, an A-10 team. You lost to them. And you can say, hey, Pitt's found it out, and they weren't the Pitt team that they are now back then, and that's fair, but everything matters. The resumes matter. Losing to Vanderbilt, not a great loss, even though Vanderbilt just beat Tennessee, although everyone's doing that the last couple of weeks. There's some bad losses in there, folks. Duke's not a great basketball team. You lose on the road, that's not going to hurt you. But you lose to Florida State at home, 
one of the worst teams in the ACC, that's not wonderful. And at a certain point, you have to look and, and wonder, what are the national pundits not seeing that we all here in Pittsburgh are seeing? But I'll flip it the other way. The writers, they're not down on Pitt. They were still receiving a bunch of votes. I think they come in at 28th in the country. But the writers, they're not doing somersaults saying, oh, look how great Pitt is. And the computers don't like Pitt at all. So nationally, they're looking at Pitt and they're going, eh. the ACC, by the way, not all that strong. Locally, you're getting this huge outcry. Well, of course you are locally because everyone's looking at this thing through black and cold color glasses. But you look nationally, computers and respected members of the media, it's not that Pitt doesn't deserve respect. It's just that they're not a team that has a top 25 resume right now. And that's okay. They're going to get there. At a certain point, wins do stack up and they just become wins. Or maybe more importantly, because the ACC's bad and the schedule's not super tough down the stretch, they're just not losses. And that matters. You keep stacking those, you're going to find yourself in the top 25 because other teams are playing challenging schedules. They're going to lose games. It'll happen, Pitt fans. But this massive outcry, I can't believe they're not in the top 25. Well, writers are looking at the resume, the computers, Ken Palm, the net rankings, RPI, even though you don't care so much about that anymore, they're all looking at Pitt and saying, yeah, their resume does not stack up as a top 25 team. In fact, their resume, according to Net, not that it's the be-all, end-all or anything like that, has them in the 50s. So the writers are actually giving Pitt more respect than the computers. Now, here's one thing I will say. I'm not going to kill Pitt fans for wanting their team to be in the top 25. It matters. It's always better to have that little tiny number next to your name. It makes you more nationally relevant. It helps with recruiting. It's not a, it's not something that you shouldn't get bent out of shape about. I just think you need to be patient and understand that while they're racking up all these wins, I keep hearing, first place in the ACC, first place. Okay, North Carolina's 9-3 and three in the ACC or whatever they are. Let's see. North Carolina, they're in ninth place in the ACC. Standings, I should have done this before, whatever. Clemson. They're right up there near the top of the ACC standings. They're a bubble team because non-conference losses, non-conference resumes matter. And the conference itself, it's not like the Big 12 where you do the round robin, where you play every team twice, and there might be seven or eight teams that make it into the dance from the Big 12, and thus you're playing 14 tournament teams. Pitt might get a chance to play six tournament teams on their schedule. There's a difference there. The ACC... A, ain't as strong as it usually is, and B, the schedule sets up so you do have a lot of bottom feeders that you play, and you need to win those games, but you're also not going to get a bunch of credit for winning those games, and that part can suck. Like, if you want to complain about the metrics that are used, I can totally understand that, right? I can totally buy it. Well, Pitt gets dinged big time for losing to Florida State, but beating Florida State does nothing for them. Yeah, I know. That sucks. Unfortunately, for Pitt fans, that's the way it works right now. Now, there will be a human element to all of this when the selection committee gets together, and at a certain point, deserving is going to be deserving. Pitt is going to get into the NCAA tournament, and I bet that they're going to get a better seed than the Joe Lenardis of the world are predicting right now and the Jerry Palms, who all have Pitt on the 8-9 seed line. I bet you 
if they win the ACC or finish second in the ACC, that they will wind up getting closer to a six than an eight. And we'll see how many games they win, and we'll see what they do in the ACC tournament. So just be patient. Just take a chill pill. I get it, but just relax. 412-928-9370 on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. We'll get more into that coming up in the second segment, but I want to hear from you on this. Why do we always got to be so damn negative? Why can't we be entertained for three hours without saying the last 10 minutes of our watching of the Super Bowl ruined everything? Like, where are we now? Why's it always got to be like that? Why can't we say, oh, what a great game where two quarterbacks played at the top of the game that anybody can play in the NFL? Why can't we just say that? Jalen Hurts, unbelievable in defeat. Patrick Mahomes running around 26 yards down the middle of the field with one friggin' leg. Throwing three touchdown passes on one friggin' leg. But instead, just about every sports show in the country yesterday led with that call at the end of the game. Higher on the early morning show. Hello. Yo, can you please turn your radio down, sir? Yes. What you got for me, homie? I was just going to talk about uh, the Super Bowl. Yeah. About that last play there. Um, I definitely agree it was a hold, no doubt, 100%. But I'm talking about the rest of the game that they didn't call. I saw Fletcher Cox get mugged. I saw Devontae Smith get mugged. It just, it, it, what hurts me is they knew if they didn't throw that flag, Philly would have a chance to come back down the field. That, that's the only thing that well, I Well, I, I, the the, I think the issue is, and thank you for the call, this was pointed out to me, and it's absolutely true. That Juju Smith-Schuster play earlier on in the game where Brad Barry held him in the middle of the field, there's a different official looking straight at it than the guy who ultimately threw the flag at the end of the game. So people want consistency, and you want consistency across your crew, but you got different guys who are going to have a different threshold on what merits a flag and what doesn't merit a flag. <laughs> I just don't let the end result, the final couple of minutes, mar what otherwise was as compelling a Super Bowl as we've seen in a long time. I thought it was a wonderful display of the top of our game. 113 million people watched a wonderful Super Bowl. And one flag at the end, while it should piss Philadelphia off, I suppose, I don't think you allow it to say, well, this game sucked. 412-928-9370. It's the early morning show, 93.7 The Fan. It's the early morning show, 93.7 The Fan. Adam Crowley here with you. 412-928-9370, the number to call. And Rod, our old German friend calling in. What's up, buddy? Good morning. Hey, uh, let's be honest. The refs didn't win that game to them. Kansas City's defense because Kansas City's defense made Philadelphia's offense not as good as they were the first half. And everybody's complaining about that. It was a good call. Out of the break, he held them. And it's so nice for Phillies fans because they were runners-up in the World Series huh. and now they're runners-up in the, in the Super Bowl. Can't happen to a nicer fan base. Yeah, that's the thing. And thank you for the call, old German Rod. I was pulling for Philadelphia in the game because I bet on Philly, but I don't like to root for them because, well, I don't like Philadelphia. And I hit the first touchdown scorer, Jalen Hurts, lucky, because my man was down at the half-yard line, and then we know you can't stop them on quarterback sneaks when they got Jalen Hurts and his legs getting pushed from behind. So after that, it was all 
gravy to me. I could root for Kansas City, root against Philadelphia fans. I didn't have to feel bad because I was already making money. But that's the thing. The game itself played out, and Kansas City took it, and Philadelphia a little bit gave it away, and that's that. And part of them giving it away was committing a penalty there that was a penalty at the end of the game. Just enjoy the game. Just enjoy the Super Bowl. There could have been no egregious, controversial call at the end, and we still would have found something to bitch about because that's the state of society these days. Yo, it is Bob. Bob's on the early morning show. Hey, man. Hey, brother. How's it going? Great, buddy. I, don't know. I, I know you're way too young to remember the Heidi game, but that's <laughs> what that reminded me of. Man, I was watching the Heidi game, and all of a sudden it just ended. You know, they turned it on and put Heidi on instead of the Jets. And, uh, you know, I think that's what it did. It was a great game. And then all of a sudden, boom, they just uh, took the air out of you, you know. But uh, I'm not saying it wasn't. I'm not saying it was a bad call. But those calls, you probably call that every play, looking at that line. Well, here's the other thing, buddy. Like, if they don't make that call at the end of the game, then Kansas City flips out because that call wasn't made. And then that's what's leading all the sports talk shows. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. Like, probably, you know, like, I feel a little bit that way because I wanted Philly, but you'll get, like, everybody in Kansas City loved it. Anybody cheering for Philly hated it. So you got it back and forth, for sure. There's no question. You do. But, but, um, you know, hey. Well, thank you for the call, Bob. I hope you have a wonderful morning and day. I just don't look at, like, let's think, think about the 2009 Penguins Capital Series which was one of the great non-cup final series ever because Crosby was at the height of his powers and Ovechkin was at the height of his powers and those guys were outstanding and Evgeny Malkin was making plays and it was a high-scoring series and those teams didn't like each other. Well, Game 7 happens. Penguins win 6-2. to two. It's anticlimactic. Did that ruin the entire series? Not for me. Maybe for Capitals fans. They're going to look at it provincially, but... I still look at it as a great series. I thought the Super Bowl was wonderful, and I'm not going to let the end mar what otherwise was wonderful entertainment for three three plus hours. Hi, you're on the early morning show. Just kidding. Hi, you're on the early morning show. Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet, Silverado's, Colorado's back in stock with a great selection. Stop in online at sunchevy.com. Partly cloudy highs in the mid fifties. It's a trap. My wife got me with the old Valentine's Day trap yesterday. I may or may not have had to lie to her. That's a good way to start Valentine's Day week. She texted me, said, hey, we're not doing gifts, are we? And so I said, oh, yeah, I got you something. And then she said, oh, yeah, well, I got you something too. So I think we got caught up in our own thing there. But I'm sure many men can relate to this. We we have not done as many holiday-type things since our daughter was born. Ah, save money, and it's not like we don't show each other that we love each other. So anniversary, do we do dinner, right? Valentine's Day, usually something like that. Dinner, or we'll plan a cute little date, an excursion. But when she sends the text, hey, we're not doing anything for Valentine's Day, right? We're not getting each other gifts. I felt compelled to to look good. And so I said, yeah, but I haven't gotten her anything yet. She won't get home from work until 7.30 tonight, so I'll have some time this afternoon. I'll run out. I'll put together a little basket, some candy, some of the things she likes. But I don't think 
that she had anything purchased for me until I said that. And then last night she comes home and I've been trying to buy new pants. She got me new pants. Valentine's Day. I think she was surprised by my answer, but I did not want to be the one to not have a gift to give her. That's an awful feeling. Because I never buy the whole, oh, I'm not going to get you anything, move. Like she'll say, oh, I'm not going to do anything. And then even if it's she gives me a handful of chocolates, if you're not giving anything in return, it's a trap. It's not good. Nobody wants to be fighting on Valentine's Day. No one wants to get sucked into that trap. So I think a good move is always get something small, even if the discussion has been, we're not getting anything at all. Valentine's night can go very well, or it can be a disaster. You always want to set yourself up for fun. Coming up next, the Fan Morning Show pre-show on The Fan.